Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? Hello and welcome back to the Turbo Team Podcast. It's week 21, or should I say episode 21. I'm your host, Jake Brand, and I'm joined by the regulars, Alex Powell and Ben. Ben, you want to say something funny? What's something funny, eh? <laughs> oh, man, Ben Ben just doesn't miss. Great one, Ben. Great one, Ben. Alex, how are you doing? You I'm doing... Very well, Jake. How are you? <laughs> oh, thank, thanks for asking. I'm I'm just great. And today we are joined by another survivor of the Turbo Team podcast. Uh, we'll play the guest intro for Mr. Matt Dykey. Friend of the program. A film nerd. Please join thank us in you. welcoming the newest survivor of the Turbo Team podcast. Thank you. Welcome, thank you. welcome, Matt Dykey. Matt is actually a, a brother of Isaac Dykey, intern of the Turbo Team podcast for public relations. He was on for the Uncut Gems episode. We like to say that he's a he's a less better looking version of Isaac. So uh, <laughs> pretty high praise for Matt Dykey, and welcome to the show. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Huge fan. So it's just a pleasure to be on with the, with the, with the Turbo crew. <laughs> it's the Turbo yeah. team. Got the crew in <laughs> The Turbo t- Crew Podcast. <laughs> Starring Jake Bread and Alec, Alex Powell. And uh, Ben Nissan. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson, Uncle Liam, Ben. Hey, hey up. Hey, up. Uncle so, Liam. Uncle today, Liam, check. Today we are watching Matt's no, Jojo Matt's Rabbit, uh, a film that came out in September of 2019, was nominated for Best Picture. It won some awards. Alex will take you through that. It was directed by Taika Waititi, starring Taika Waititi also as Adolf Hitler starring Roman Griffin Davis as Jojo Rabbit and Thomas and McKenzie as uh, Elsa Kaur and then also Scarlett Johansson and Rebel Wilson, Sam Rockwell, among others. Ben is going to take us through a synopsis for real this time this week. He has one typed out. Oh boy, will I? Johannes or Jojo Betzler, a 10-year-old member of the Nazi youth, along with his imaginary friend Adolf Hitler, attend a Nazi youth training camp where Johannes is belittled and injured by a grenade. Tended back to health by his mother, back home he does chores for the Nazis and notices a Jew girl, Elsa, hiding in his house. As he converses and confronts his prejudices with Elsa, he discovers his mother spreading anti-Nazi messages and the SS investigate his home. This leads... Uh, this leads to him discovering his mother hung in town square, where, or soon afterwards, the Allies take his town, where he denounces Hitler and starts his new life with big sister Elsa. Is that funny to you, Alex? Sorry, you said you was funny. Sorry. Yeah, the, uh, how else Ben's, am I supposed to say this? Ben's mono, 
Ben's monotone synopsis overview of the movie didn't exactly hit like it does in most shows. <laughs> it does a little bit more of a touchy. It doesn't movie. help that you guys laugh. Doesn't help that you guys laugh at it every time I do it. It's just funny to listen to you dead serious read off a synopsis, Ben. Yeah, it's it's nothing How personal. It's, to do it? it's just your long hair and what? tall body. I don't know. It's it's just funny. <laughs> Keep just, going. It's just it's just Ben. <laughs> so by Mountain Dew, Code Red. Uh, so, Mountain Dew, Code Red. Used to down these in high school. Hey, we're not in high school anymore. So, Alex, I already mentioned how this film won an award. Do you want to take us through uh, what it won and what it was nominated for? Yeah, so it was nominated for five, I think. Uh, Scarlett Johansson was nominated for Best Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Uh, Takia, how do you say his name? Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Is nominated for uh, Academy Award for Best, and the movie is nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Tom Eagles was nominated for Best Film Editing. Macy Rubio was nominated for Best Costume Design, and uh, Ra Rob Vincent Nora Spokova was nominated for Best Production Design. And then it was also nominated for uh, Best Original Screenplay. I think. Hold on. Best Writing. Be- best Adapted Screenplay. My bad. And then, uh, and then that was the only award it won was uh, Academy Award for Best uh, Adapted Screenplay. So, yeah, thanks, Alex, yeah. for taking us through the awards. That's and now, now we're gonna turn it to our guest Matt. And Matt was actually the one who suggested this movie. He, we were sitting at Jethro's, and he said that he cried during it. So <laughs> we had the idea of bringing him on to discuss this movie. Matt, uh, what do you like so much about this movie? That makes you so passionate about it. It's definitely Rebel Wilson. Yeah, well, that that definitely is a factor. Um, what I like about just the movie in general is just like um, I thought it was pretty accurate with history. Sometimes you have movies that um, don't really uh, accurately represent um, what was going on at the time, and I felt this one it was really good because it really showed um, what. German citizens were going through at this time, especially um, the kids at the young age, being 13 and having to join the SS army. Um, you know, that's a, that's a really young age to like be shipped off to war, and I thought they did a good job of kind of going through the going through the minds of being a young German boy, but also trying to make it like a satire at the same time. So um, I will, I just like the history, historic kind of content behind the film and it was i liked how it was uh, well representative of history too yeah so for fans or listeners of the turbo team podcast that may not know matt matt attends drake university and he's studying law political science all that good stuff he's a uh, very into history as far as world history political history all that good stuff so that would make sense why you're so passionate about this, Matt. Sure am, bro. Sure am. It's also just a good movie. It's just a good movie overall. I cried. Not, I cried. I'll say not, it. What part did you cry at? The when well, I wasn't like so. I just want to make something very clear to the viewers. I wasn't like bawling, but I had tears in my eyes. Oh, so I was crying. Okay. So I was crying. Like I was. I was like. I was yeah. like. I was like, like, like tear. I wasn't like bawling. Hey, Joe, uh, so you know, know women listen to this podcast. Yeah. Damn. Who she hears this, Matt? So what scene was it, Matt? <laughs> I should call her, bro. Um, <laughs> it was, 
when he came out and he saw like the mom getting hung. I I don't know, like just as like putting myself there as like a thirteen year old, just seeing your mom hung, like that's like traumatizing. And then at the end too, when they're like just dancing, I don't know. I was just like when they're just dancing and they're like we like survived kind of like the war and they're just kind of like dancing. I, I don't know. I thought that was a good ending to the film. So I kind of like yeah, David bit. Bowie. Yeah, it made me sad. Like when DJK was kicked off the football team. <laughs> Reference to episode eight of the Turbo Team podcast. No, we cut that out. Remember? Oh, we did. Yeah, I don't yeah, even think so. it's worth explaining. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it was Isaac Dyke. That's the other twin that said that. So uh, sounds like him. Alex, <laughs> what did you like about this? Film? So I actually, I actually liked it more the second time than I did the first time. Uh, which is weird because I don't know, but it was what I. It was. It's weirdly endearing the movie is at times where so here's here's jojo right and he's like i i actually wrote down notes this is the second time i wrote down notes for one of our uh, our movies but uh one of the one of the he's obsessed with nazis for some reason like he wants hitler to be his best friend it's super weird and scarlett johansson's character as his mom doesn't treat it as obviously she's against the war we know that because you know she was hung for protesting it but uh she doesn't treat his obsession with Hitler and Nazis as, like, something serious that she should be concerned about. It's just like, oh, he's going through a phase right now, you know? And I think that's Not such a, a – I know. And I think that's such a weird way to portray it where she's, like, genuinely not worried about him because she knows that, like, deep down he's a good person. And then by the end of the movie, we see that, you know, he realizes as a, you know, 13, 11, however old he is, he's a child. He realizes, oh, hey, you know, maybe this Nazi stuff isn't that cool. And that's kind of, like Matt said, it is realistic to the point because, like, I think they mentioned, Scarlett Johansson's character mentions to Elsa in it that she's, like, Oh, you're only like 18 or whatever, but you've lived longer than you've lived like longer lives than most people, and uh, and she's like, well, I never really lived, which is a whole thing on its own, and that's kind of this like the theme for children of this age is they did kind of have to grow up quick and they did have to make these realizations at a younger age, and it was really interesting seeing that from kind of a comedy in a way. And also, it's just really endearing the relationship between Elsa and JoJo and Sam Rockwell's character. Sam Rockwell's performance in this is really, really good, and his character in it, like, yeah. has a nice arc where he's like, he like he slowly realizes what he's doing isn't maybe the good part, and then obviously by the end he kind of sacrifices himself for JoJo in a way. And it's just it was a weirdly endearing movie. I think the comedy in it's terrific. Um, the one part. Like right after Jojo meets Elsa and he's talking to Taika Waititi as Hitler and he's like uh, – and Taika's like, I think you know what we should do. And then he's like – like <laughs> I think I think Jojo's like a uh, killer or something like that. And then uh, Hitler's like, blow up the house and blame it on Winston Churchill. Yeah, I no. That just—I don't know—that really made me. That really made me laugh. Or when uh, that, that was the quote unquote I had written down, and then the other one was and Elsa told him they like, oh, you're not really a Nazi. And then Joe's just like, well, I'm pretty big into swastikas, so I think that's a tell right there. Those, those are two parts that really made me laugh. Yeah, Alex. So you mentioned the humor, and what I loved about this mu- movie was it was one of the biggest emotional roller coasters ever. And that's that's a very cliche thing to say, but this movie. Like you said, it it made fun of Hitler in a way that made you laugh, but also there were parts of the movie that were like, 
extremely dark and historically accurate. Like, like Matt talked about when Scarlett Johansson's character was hung and it, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that went back and forth from, from those two aspects so well in so in such a fluent way. Mm-hmm. I thought it flowed extremely well, and this was one of the best paced movie I've, movies I've ever seen. I don't yeah. think there was any part of the movie that went too fast or too slow. Like I thought the story was extremely coherent. I thought of all the main characters, they were developed pretty well. It mm-hmm. even balanced like Jojo having visions of Hitler, or I don't know how you, what you want to call that, if, whether it's visions or dreams or whatever. Imaginary it's like his imaginary, imaginary friends. friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they. They uh, transitioned that so well from JoJo's real relationship with Elsa to his fake relationship with Hitler, and like it, it was extremely seamless. And that, that's what I think was the most impressive part of the film. Upon all the how historically accurate it was, upon how funny it was, upon even the incredible cinematography, I thought the cinematography during the slow mo like war scene at the end was incredible. I thought it looked so good. Yeah. The coloring in this movie was beautiful. I thought it it showed the I don't know how to describe it. It was it was this coloring where everything seemed okay, like the yeah. kind of like the light yellow houses, the white houses, but also it showed like the really dark colors, like in the woods with the darker greens and and just everything. I thought it balanced it extremely well, and that's overall what my biggest takeaway was, where it it went from funny to sad and it went from dark to lighthearted and it, it, it balanced a really good relationship with a really unhealthy relationship. And I thought, I thought this movie was insanely good. Hey, you talk about the coloring. This movie was like really brightly colored and, uh, yeah. uh most world war two movies aren't like Inglorious bastards was too, but that's all, that was also like a satire comedy piece in a way. But like you look at, you think of a movie like fury, Dunkirk, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, Band of Brothers, America. Ca- Captain America, Civil War. I'm just kidding. I but, uh, <laughs> but those movies are all like, like it's a lot of dark blues, a lot of grays, you know, mm-hmm. really dark and kind of not so vivid colors because they're portraying the serious part of it in like the actual war, unlike this movie where like – like this movie's really weird because like the Germans are in a way the good guys while they're also the bad guys at the same time, you know? You know what I'm saying? So it, mm-hmm. like so like I think the coloring is we're seeing the world through JoJo's eyes and like this isn't a bleak war time for him. I mean, he's a proud not, you know, Nazi German. He, he's you know, life's fine. So that's I think that's what the coloring kind of has to do is we're seeing it through JoJo's eyes in a way. I was just going to like build off of that. Um I think in a sense of just the coloring I think it just makes it seem more realistic to the audience because when you have like kind of like that dark color, like we're kind of talking about with Dunkirk and Fury, I think it just kind of makes the movie seem more of just cinema. It doesn't make it seem more realistic and kind of like building off Alex's point there when it kind of adds color, it makes it seem not so more of a war movie, but more of just like a, like a documentary or something to that Mm -hmm. sense. So I like the way in the coloring of telling a story in the sense of even when they had those dark points in the film, um, it, the color stayed the same. It wasn't like dark music. It wasn't like raining. It was like plan as day. And I think for me, that just made it seem like far more realistic 
than if they did try to do another element of cinematography um, in those scenes. Yeah, so building off what Alex said with how they kind of viewed the war through JoJo's eyes in this movie, and I don't know how familiar our listeners are with the history of World War II and the Holocaust, but back in the Holocaust, the Germans portrayed the concentration camps as a good thing when news outlets from either Germany or surrounding countries would come in to see what they were doing. On the outside, they would put candy shops. uh, They would put restaurants and make it look like extremely beautiful on the outside, like making it look like they're building this community for these Jewish people. But really on the inside, they were, as we all know, torturing and doing extremely just disgusting, unhuman kind things. And when you watch this movie, that's kind of what it does. It, it shows how great the war is for the Nazis because they're, they're having fun worshiping a dictator and they, I mean, at this point they're winning and they've believed all the lies of the propaganda that they showed through the movie. So I think that it was a very smart and extremely unique choice to show a movie through the eyes of a, young German boy. There's not really mm-hmm. anything else like it in it. Poor in the striped pajamas. Yeah. That that's true. <laughs> but this that's more it that's in, more if you want to get like serious. That that movie is like this one if it if Jojo Rabbit took itself seriously. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Ben, do you want to get into your review of it, what you liked? Yes. Thanks guys. Um, I loved a lot of things about this movie, but specifically right off the bat, I think it portrayed uh, the freneticism of the Nazi youth really well. Almost the one thing they had to get right in a movie that's centered around like Nazi youth and that freneticism. And I think it describes it really well with just that opening credit sequence where they're playing a uh, German, I want to hold your hand. And then it has a, uh, Lots of Germans freaking out like they would like for the Beatles. It's almost cut like a Beatles like documentary in a way. And it just shows how like everyone is like super frenetic about it. Jojo and like the rest of the youth and how you were talking about with settings about how like this had like a very interesting color palette compared to different war films. I'd say that this wasn't necessarily a war film. I'd say this is more just a drama going on in very tense times like in a war that's happening Mm -hmm. but the town that jojo is in is virtually untouched i mean it's still a very uh prosperous in a way uh european town they haven't they've been untouched by war so far Uh, a lot of the citizens like the adults are either still uh, firmly believing that their government will figure it out and that they won't be affected or they're uh, awake they're woke uh, a lot like jojo's mom and trying to and trying to speak out against this movement or they're like the kids the young impressionable ones who see everyone around them very frenetic and excited about their country and they want to be like that and then there's all those teenagers who are teaching the kids at the camp who are like bullying them practically saying like you'll never be a soldier we're soldiers we're going off to war but they're leaving that delusion town like they're leaving the pretty camper there in charge and they haven't had to go to the front lines yet to go to the front lines where they're going to realize, oh, yeah, this isn't it. That's that's not it, chief. And <laughs> I think it's. Yeah, see. <laughs> uh, you said 
said the line. I said the line. But yeah, I think they done that. They did that really well, and that fed throughout the entire movie. You mentioned Scarlett Johansson being woke in this, and I just I have one comment to throw out there. Think of what you want about Scarlett Johansson, but in 2019, I think she probably had the best like single year of any actress working in Hollywood. She had Endgame, Marriage Story, <laughs> okay. and Jojo Rabbit come out. Yeah, that. That's as far huge. as money goes, it's insane. Yeah. And as far as performances in both Marriage Story, which I think is her best performance, and then oh, she yeah. has a really good performance in this, and then Endgame, she's. I thought she wasn't too she's bad. She's Black in Widow. Either. I mean, I thought her performance in Endgame was pretty good too. No, before we get off onto another Marvel tangent, like every episode. I that reference. Uh, Thanks. Pretty much every actor is just like good. Like, there's never, like, amazing performances, and there's hardly ever bad performances. That's all we'll have to say about that. All right. Um, Matt, did you have any other positives or just things you wanted to point out about Jojo Rabbit? Dude, I, you know, I just thought that, like, uh, even the characters, like, Yorkie, dude, like, when he was, he, I thought <laughs> he was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, I love, yeah. I love that little kid, and when, um, kind of just, like, the scenes where it was like when he was walking around like collecting metal like dressed up <laughs> as a robot You're and kind of like so what Ben was saying 11. <laughs> <laughs> or when they like launched the missile and it just like blows up the entire house like, <laughs> like I thought that it was I thought that shit was hilarious oh can we cuss on the podcast go for it oh man I just no please don't swear on our podcast can I say it can I say it I'm gonna say it I'm gonna say the word what? Don't say it, Rick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. boob. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome, liberals in 2050 when Matt is running for U.S. <laughs> senator. <laughs> you guys can cancel him now. Yeah, that's that's my bad. Oh, well. Um, you were saying no, but, about Yorgi. Uh, no, I like kind of just uh building off of what was previous said, all the characters were just very well developed throughout this movie. There wasn't like, uh, I, you know, usually I'm not a huge rebel Wilson fan. I've just never been like a huge <laughs> fan of her work. I'm just not a huge. Oh, fan wow. You don't fan. like pitch perfect one. Through Welcome four. to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge rebel Wilson fan. <laughs> I just never have been a fan. I just I don't think, think she's that funny. Is. I don't think anyone's yeah. over this. Dude, if you if you stand Rebel Wilson, you need to take a look in the mirror. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she was like going, the only character I didn't really like. Other when, than we, great. when we talk about characters, I know that we kind of talked about this in the group chat before, but for the most part, movies that have kids in the lead role, I think can be very, very risky. Like mm-hmm. sometimes, even in good movies, the kids can almost take away because they're either trying to overact or they just don't act at all and they kind of just be themselves. But in this yeah. movie, Roman Griffin Davis was very good. Like oh, one of the phenomenal, one yeah. of the best child actors I've ever seen in a lead role. Might even be the best. But he yeah, was he so he yeah. was so good in this movie, and he stole almost every scene unless. Taika was in it mm-hmm. but every scene with Elsa like their chemistry was so good as far I know Elsa's a little closer to our age but 
the fact that they could have that chemistry as a kid that yeah. age and then someone close to our age, I thought was extremely impressive. And that that is something you don't see in a lot of movies mm-hmm. with he, uh, with yeah. kids in lead roles. Yeah, definitely. He is a he's definitely gonna have a career in acting if he if he decides to stick with it. If he's already that good at this young age, like like. I mean, Leo in uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape was phenomenal. He was probably, like, he's a little older. He's probably, like, 15, 16 in that role. But, like, obviously, Leo's has one of the most successful careers, like, ever. Like, And then there's, mm-hmm. like, like Jake, Jake John Hall started out really young, too. And I think Ryan Reynolds was on, started out young, too. And, like, all these kids. Something like, in, like, 2003. Yeah, all these kids like kill like have these great roles young always tend off to go always tend to go off into, you know, something bigger and better careers and I, I have no doubt that uh I forgot the kid's name, but Jojo's gonna Roman Griffin know, Davis. Roman Griffin Davis is probably gonna have a you know, pretty successful career if this would see if this is what he decides to do, you know. And I just looked it up now and this is like his like first uh um major role. Like uh, I mean other He's not in like, well, like eleven. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe he was in some stuff before that when he's like nine. I don't know. But yeah, this is and he's in another one. It looks like. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for his first role, I mean, the kid killed it for sure. He was nominated uh, for a Golden Globe, as he should be. For uh, a award for outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture. Okay, so it was a group nomination, but still. If I don't think there's any awards or categories for like best children in any roles, but he definitely would have won this year. I don't even think it's close. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're oh, ignoring I... baby of the year. <laughs> Who will be the baby of the year? She's getting Jarvis. Apart from the Jarvis yeah. doesn't choose competition, I will kill myself on live television. So, so the baby of the year I, I is. Roman Griffin Davis, <laughs> At eleven years old. Uh, I agree that the acting was good. Like it was great all across the board. If anything, I'd say just like some of the jokes that came up from Yorkie and JoJo were uh, a little bit like above their above their time. Like they're like throwing out one liners or like witty humor that like twenty year old like thirty year olds would say. Oh, and that's I guess, that's like, why it's hearing that. That's why. That's why it's funny, is because there's like these yeah, like I, I know. year old sand like speaking so like adult, <laughs> like the one's a soldier in the German <laughs> army. It's <laughs> not what I mean. And just like I thought they were like funny jokes. Like I thought they were funny joke. Just that coming out like it was like it, they didn't they weren't delivered as cleanly or like they came off a little flat to me. I guess. But yeah, like, so, so moving were... into the negatives, I, I think that... We still got positives, bro. Well, I w- we can go back to positives after this, but okay. it just kind of goes off what Ben just said. And I think that one of the things shaky with this movie is it felt like JoJo's age hopped around. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes it felt like he was treated like an eight-year-old, and then, like Ben said, it felt like he was talking like he was 25 at some points. And that's just a very minor critique. When I was watching this film, it did kind of hop around back and forth from like he's super immature, he knows what's going on, he doesn't know what's going on. But that's a super minor nitpick. Alex, what was uh, the last positive you wanted to touch on? It was something Ben already kind of mentioned in passing, but I thought the soundtrack was really, really good. 
Like it was all like the German versions of these songs. Although I will take off a point for there was no uh was it like Fump hundred Luf balloons. So how many Neunzig Luf balloons? Yeah, nine hundred Neunzig Luf balloons. So uh, that'd be that'd be too easy. That'd be too easy. But it's a film about Germany. But but the soundtrack was really good. I thought I thought like I don't know. It was a good soundtrack. Another song like I think Ben said like German. I want to hold your hand in the beginning, and then I forgot the one at the end. But uh, overall, I was by David Bowie. Yep, yeah, that's the Wallflower song. Yeah, the wall. Shout out to Wallflowers. But uh, I thought it, I don't know. I thought it was a really creative way to do the uh, to do the soundtrack and. What this is my second time watching it. it really caught my ear i guess the second time was how good the soundtrack was compared to the first time so. it definitely played off the propaganda side of the mm-hmm. war which was yeah. as we know from history class and mr kaz uh propaganda was one of the biggest weapons that the germans used shout out mr and kaz friend of the program eh, i don't know about friend of the program <laughs> teacher of the program <laughs> Neutral yeah. of the program. Educator of the program. Spectator of the program. <laughs> there you go. All right, you want to get into negatives? Yeah, I don't have any other positives. Matt, do you have any parting thoughts before we move uh, on to some critiques of the film? Um, no, I, you know, I said all, I said all my stuff. Um, yeah, no, I, I like how Ben pointed out the sound, the soundtrack though, especially, um. The Nicely. opening, kind of the the or Alex, Alex, Alex and Ben, it's both of you guys, but yeah, I like, I, yeah, I thought it was good, especially with like the theme of the movie and everything. Ben, looks like you have one more too. Oh, I got more than one, baby. Uh, first right. of all, Speed we had, it. <laughs> uh, Sam Rockwell's performance was amazing. Uh, his final scene, I loved. That was just mm-hmm. amazing. Even getting some final words of encouragement for Jojo before saving him. Um, I love how Jojo actually doesn't know that much about Hitler. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but Hitler, he didn't smoke, he didn't eat meat, but he's like continuously offering him cigarettes and talking about how he's going to go and eat meat. And like, that's just one oh, way of I showing didn't know him. that. Stop offering me cigarettes. I'm 11. I don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> that was just like one way to like just like show his disillusionment. And, um, yeah, uh, this, what else was there? Oh, I thought the, did you guys catch the mom being hung foreshadowing at all? Or were you caught off guard by that? Yeah. No, I saw it coming in the scene where, um, it might've been before or after the inspection by the Gestapo where they talked about what would happen if they discovered that Elsa was a Jew. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. it it felt like they were foreshadowing something bad happening. I mean, I didn't I didn't catch it like from there exactly, but uh, Taika did a good job with this. He had like uh, two or three different like scenes where it would just show Rosie's feet, like if she'd like walk up and look down at him from a table, it'd just show her feet. Or mm. when they were biking and she was on like that like brick layer, it'd show him eye level with her feet, like so you have like that mm. cognitive. Uh, memory for being able to recognize those shoes and like that's why it hit so hard because you knew exactly who it was when he uh, saw them yeah. initially that's a really good observation i didn't even realize that uh after after i saw all of those shots and i saw them when they first uh, saw those people being hung and like that was the exact shot that they showed for those people i was like oh geez it's coming 
but yeah, yeah, I when I saw it for the first time, it hit extremely hard the second I saw the shoes. And yeah. now that like I'm mm-hmm. conscious of it, that makes a ton of sense. Would mm-hmm. so did that would you consider that a negative then, based on the first time you watched it, that you're kinda like, Oh man, she's probably gonna die. No. I think that was smart. No. I mean like I mean I just picked up on it and I was like, Oh, this is I mean, I obviously don't want it to happen, but that's an interesting yeah. way for him to um, foreshadow that. As a, as a, I have kind of a negative. So the more I watch, especially with this podcast now, but the more I watch movies, the more I pay attention to the little things. And the one thing I hate about that is like I've gotten pretty decent at foreshadowing now, so it's really easy to see when someone, like, it's really easy to tell when someone's probably not gonna live. So that's I'm one of my. I'm just too smart. Oh. I'm just too. Ah, I just over. It's overanalyze everything and so good <laughs> at predicting the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys want to get into negatives then? Unless anyone has any parting thoughts? Uh, I'll shoot mine out before the grade. All right. Uh, so I'll start with my first negative. Nitpicky thing. Like I said, I thought Scarlett Johansson was really good in this movie. But uh, after taking four years of German in high school, I kind of can tell what a German <laughs> accent sounds like. And uh, <laughs> listening to Scarlett Johansson, I felt more like I was watching uh, Disney Pixar's Ratatouille than I was uh, Taika's <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. White uh, Americans accent, pretending to be French. Her her accent <laughs> sounded very French, more French than it did German. So uh, <laughs> that was the only real negative I had that stood out. But uh, yeah, anyone else have any? Yeah, so I hated, I hated how much taller Elsa was than Jojo. <laughs> what? Nine years older than him. <laughs> I know. I I wish she wasn't that much older than him. It made really? it feel weird. Did you want like a know. genuine, did you want like a genuine like love and like no, relationship? No, so her? I didn't want a genuine relationship, but I don't think I wanted it that big of a gap. If if anyone would be encouraging a love relationship with an age gap, Jake would. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, that was actually that was a good one, Ben. Don't miss. He's back. No, but I just noticed like at the end when they're dancing, like she seemed way too tall to like be with him. I I didn't want a love interest at all. But I kind of wish the gap was like four or five years opposed to nine, ten. But that's a super small nitpick, and it just made me feel a little weirder. I don't know. Sorry for your height insecurity, Jake. Well, they well they they say that he's like I'm in love with you, and she's like uh okay, and then he's like but I know you only see me as like a little brother, and she's like yeah that's see I would have seen that funnier if the age gap was smaller. Like if she friendzoned him, friendzoned him like three years older, that would be a lot funnier than ten years. Yeah, I disagree. I mean, yeah. There's it something might have, funny. It might I don't be know. weird if they it's try a, to force it, I guess. There's but. something funny about like children falling in love with like adults and the adults like thinking it's just more funny that like you know they have That's a legitimate true. interest in them, you know. Bart's babysitter. Oh yeah. Ugh. <laughs> ben, uh, <laughs> so ben chafing me. I think Ben knows what I'm talking about. Ben, do you remember Drew Gooden's video when he was reviewing old Disney movies and there's that one where like the kid was like, kid was probably ten years old and the love interest was like. 30 
They had like a kissing scene. <laughs> oh, <laughs> an old Disney Channel original was made in like the '90s, but yeah, it did not age very well. <laughs> so speaking of that, uh, we've got an election coming up in November. Matt, any negatives? About yep. wait, the election or the or the movie? <laughs> no, about the movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, um. Yeah, well, you guys kind of already mentioned, like, the humor. I felt like just, like, maybe, a, like, the couple jokes kind of fell a little bit flat for me. Um, honestly, even though I, like, I did, you know, obviously cry at the end, I thought they could have gone a little bit even more uh, to the dark side or even a little bit deeper uh, with mm-hmm. the war, um, especially in that war scene. Um, I think they could have probably, I mean, maybe gone. And at the end when they're, like, executing everyone, um, that was pretty uh, dark, too. Um, but I think they could have done a little, maybe a little bit of a better job of just maybe shooting some more of those, um, dark war scenes because I was kind of, um, upset about how just for me, that scene I thought could have gone on just a little bit longer. Um, but other than that, that was probably my only negative is just more showing more of the dark actual fighting and that, uh, like shooting and everything in the blood. Uh, I know where you're coming from with that. But you got to keep in mind, this was a PG-13 movie. Uh, yeah, and coming from the perspective of a kid, I bet Taika was probably trying to show this to younger audiences, too, as well. Mm-hmm. That's fair. The whole the whole promotion for this movie was anti-hate, and that's a very mm-hmm. timely subject. I think, kind of backing up what Ben says, I think... Also, Tycho is trying to make a more like a more lighthearted movie about the war, where while it still had kind of some social commentary on it, it wasn't like a Fury or like an Inglorious Bastards or like a Dunkirk, where it's just super dark and all it is is like war and blood and gore and stuff. You wanted, I think, you wanted more of like a social, not social justice, but like like a social, like I said, social commentary on it rather than just like showing battle scenes. It was a creative documentary almost in a, yeah yeah well, it's, it's, it's this is way more engaging to a 13 year old learning about everything going on than it is watching like an actual documentary about it well, because the the, even though this dead. isn't yeah. even though it's not a true story it is based off of very similar stories yeah even the though the screenplay was adapted from a collection of uh, journals from uh, Jews during the war. Mm-hmm. Like this, obviously like, has uh, extreme. Uh, it obviously has extreme connections to like Anne Frank and her story, yeah. and just like a girl being locked away to stay protected. And I think that this shows like Matt said right when we started. It shows extreme like historical accuracy and context, while also being an original screenplay at the same time and telling a unique story that I think is beneficial to almost any age. Like if you're 10 year old, 10 years old and you're kind of beginning to grasp the concept of society and everything, I think this is a really good movie. But even for us, when we already know pretty much everything there is to know about the Holocaust and about world war two, I think that it adds such a different and interesting perspective that definitely increased my knowledge of what happened and it increased my, emotions towards it and i i would think even for someone that grew up during this time i think this could be beneficial like i think this is a movie for all ages and i'm very glad it was pg-13 and not rated r yeah whoa 
Okay. Um, uh, getting into my negatives, uh, a lot like you guys, it's kind of nitpicking at this point. Um, uh, like you said, uh, Rebel Wilson's character didn't really hit for me. Besides, like, one of her first lines where it's like, <laughs> I produced 18 kids for Germany. Like, besides that <laughs> one line. Yeah. <laughs> what a time uh, to be a woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Why are you applauding that? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I meant at the laugh button. <laughs> uh, yeah, besides, uh, uh, her character, like, wasn't really that funny to me. Um, Freddie, do you guys remember Freddie Frankel? He was, like, Sam Rockwell's character's, like, assistant. Yeah. Uh, like the kid making fun of... Or was he the super tall one? No, he wasn't. He was neither of them. He was, like, the guy who was always, like, next to Sam Rockwell. Like, he was, like, his assistant or whatever. And I think they are like... <laughs> they, like, showed them, like, having a relationship, maybe. Like, I think they, like, tried to show that in secret or whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. because no, I, I think Sam Rockwell's character was had kind of had a thing for JoJo's mom. Well, yeah, but... Like, watching it, like, him and Freddy have, like, this weird relationship. Anyways, um, I don't know if he was supposed to be funny or why they even threw that in at all, but I don't know. I just thought that was just kind of random, and I don't know why they included that. And then, I don't know, maybe it's just because this is my third time watching it, but the second act, basically from where he finds Elsa to where the SS investigate uh, his house... That whole middle portion is just really slow to me, but that might have been, just been my multiple watches. I would disagree. I think it's more building up their relationship and kind of establishing that. But that that's that's probably that's going to be a slow burn as it is, you know. Yeah. Just establishing a whole relationship. But I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I understood uh, its importance, but just yeah. that. Is you had them, Ben? Uh, yeah, that was it. All right, uh, I got one last one. Uh, it's the first time this has ever been said, but uh, I could have used a little more Hitler in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Taika was amazing in this. I thought Taika, I thought like Jake said, he stole every scene that he was in, and I get he was in there for more of a comedic relief, and so like, and also to, also uh, he was busy like directing the movie, you know, like he wrote and directed the movie, so he had a lot of time on his hands. He had kind of had to be behind the camera more than in front of it, but. I don't know. I could have used a lot more of him. I think his influence on JoJo was really great, even if it was just an imaginary Hitler. But uh, his one-liners were he's one of the wittiest characters I've ever seen in a movie. And it was just – it was really funny, and I wish we could have got a little more of him. But, you know, like the, like we said, this is kind of just nitpicky stuff at this point. So. Oh, my gosh. Taika used – so listeners of the Turbo Team podcast – I'm sure everyone knows the rule where like PG-13 movies get one F-bomb to still be considered PG-13. Anything more than that, it goes to rated R. Yeah. It used the F-bomb so perfectly in this movie. <laughs> like, I don't think it could have been placed anywhere else. Like, I think it was it was totally in the right place. And yeah, Hitler stole every scene he was in. At the end when he's like, uh, can, you, can you give me one more Heil? Just one more Heil. <laughs> I am me, man. Or <laughs> he's like, "Well, I'll be seeing you," and then he like dolphin dives out the window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just like it added, fun little quirks. It mm. added such a comedic twist to something that we've never seen like that before. Yeah. Like obviously, there's been parodies of yeah. Hitler. 
Oh, uh, like I think back to, gosh, I don't remember the movie, but it used to always get like voiced it was, over. Uh, spring, I think springtime for Hitler. I think something like that. Was that a, but it was a Mel Brooks movie. It used to always get voiced over, like when a team would get upset in March Madness, and it'd be like <laughs> Hitler reacting. Oh to, no, that was Downfall. Yeah, Downfall. It'd be like Hitler reacting to Kansas losing to you and I, and then just like. <laughs> cussing everyone out in German. <laughs> I don't know, but th- he's never been in like a strictly comedic role and yeah. I don't think it could have been any better than what Taika did with it other than maybe more of him. His uh his role in Inglorious Bastards was kind of comedic in a way, not that like he had a lot of like funny jokes, but it just made him out to look like a like a big like an bait. idiot. Yeah, like an idiot. Yeah. So, but also it's funny also, it's funny, kind of the irony that you know Taika's playing Hitler, who Hitler, who is so anti like everyone that wasn't white, and Taika's obviously a native, like he's a native New Zealander, so that's funny watching him play Hitler too. Yeah. I I thought it was really interesting that he didn't want to put anyone through like playing Hitler in the role, so he's like, I'll just I'll just do it myself. And I thought he, you know, like we said, killed the role. So. Yeah, he killed it. Matt, do you want to? rate this movie we'll let our guests go first we go on uh, a scale of one to ten can i do half points <laughs> jake does you like, sure can jake does like 1.2 does like 7.125 all the time so yeah you definitely <laughs> can uh probably do uh 8.5 to 9 probably one of one of the best film one of the better films i've ever seen really enjoyed it cool yeah i'll go next i'm gonna give it an 8.753 <laughs> the first point i made was just how emotionally impactful this movie was mm-hmm. obviously the scenes with hitler and taika were hilarious but the scenes where jojo was intentionally learning Elsa's past and learning about the trauma that the Jews had to go through in the 30s and 40s. I thought that was so impactful and then obviously the scene in the ending where he made the conscious decision to to do what was right yeah, to go against what he had learned his whole life. I thought it was such a cool adaption to something that kind of has endless endless impact on humanity and society. There are a million different ways to tell the story, and I think that this might have been the most unique way to tell the story about World War II, the Holocaust, and just everything that happened in uh, 1940s Germany. Yeah. Uh, I'll go next. I'll give, it a, I'll give it a nine. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I thought all the performances were good. All my negatives were just little nitpicks. Uh, kind of building off what you said, Jake, uh, like Jojo's character, like he's learning from the oppressed, he's educating himself, and he's making a conscious decision based off what he's learned to kind of change his views on the world. And I think that's something that we can all learn in times right now. So, uh, you know, I'm just gonna leave it at that. So, Ben, you can go. <laughs> uh, I had one quick question before uh, I meant to bring this up earlier, but uh, at the end, like in the final like three minutes or something like that. Uh, he tells Ace uh, Elsa that uh, that they won, that his side won. 
Uh, why do you think he didn't say it was safe to come out? I think he just didn't want her to go. He was in love, man. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I always thought about that early on, and a friend I watched it with was really upset by that. Like, he was, like, pissed off almost. He was like, why didn't you tell her it was safe? Like, yeah. He, did, he didn't want her to go. He was in love with her, and he, he knew that if she left, she was probably never going to come back, so. Yeah. yeah. I read that as, uh, that also had to do with him, like, not wanting to accept that he had to leave, too. Like, because telling her mm-hmm. it's safe to come out, and then he has to groom her to be able to uh, leave and for them to start a new life together. Like, he mm-hmm. had to step into his mom's role almost, which he did, like, when they were getting ready to leave. But, yeah, that's just something I picked up on the last watch. Yeah. I mean, considering that this is, what, like, almost 40, 50 minutes of us talking about this film, it really shows how much there is, like, beneath the surface for this <laughs> uh, World War II comedy which yeah. is kind of a an unheard of topic that we haven't really heard of before. And I think it was executed really well. A uh, great film, a uh, great cast. Taika Waititi as Hitler is amazing. I want the sequel. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just for all the reasons that we gave earlier, I'm going to be giving this an 8 out of 10. I think... Yeah, I, I th- yeah. Sorry, you can go, G. I was going to say, Ben mentioned it, and we talked about 50 minutes on this one film, and I feel like I easily could have talked for, like, another hour about it. Like, there's so exactly. many yep. there's yeah. so many other points that, not even as far as the movie goes, like, we only talked about the cinematography and the coloring for, like, two minutes. We talked about the score for two minutes. Everything else, we were just talking about, like, the impact this film had, and I mm. thought that there were so many different points that we could have dug into the surface, so... Credit to Matt for choosing a great movie and uh, also for kicking off with going in depth. Uh, thank thank you, Matt. Yeah, I thought... Uh, thank you, guys. I, yeah, we, we've, we've talked about like off camera a bit, but uh, well, I guess off mic. But uh, this is a comedy where like there's a lot more to it compared to like a, uh, you know, like an interview where it's pretty surface level. And so... Well, while we're trying to we're probably going to lean a little way a little more away from traditional comedies like seeing stuff like this with kind of like a dramatic and social commentary stuff to it I uh I'll like I'd gladly watch every week if we could, you know. Yeah. So, so while we are on the topic of World War II and the Holocaust, uh we're just going to do a quick little segment where we uh all choose our favorite World War II slash Holocaust movie, and I guess since I'm starting, uh, I'll say mine. We've talked about it on this podcast for a while. Um, it was actually in my updated top five movies list, and mine is Inglorious Bastards, a Quentin Tarantino film. It's starring Brad Pitt as the general commander of a... Uh, of a group of Jewish Americans infiltrating Nazi Germany, just uh, as Brad Pitt said it. We're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Killing Nazis. The way that Brad Pitt just says that line throughout the movie is insanely good. And this is, I don't think as much of a comedic adaption as Jojo Rabbit, but I love the story in this movie. I love seeing like 
all the Nazis in the theater burn at the end. I love seeing Hitler die. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And as Brad Pitt says at the end, like this is my masterpiece, and I think it's Quentin Tarantino's best film. And it's yeah. overall my favorite World War II and Holocaust film. <laughs> Matt, our guest, do you want to take us through yours? Yeah, so um, another Brad Pitt movie, uh, Fury with Shia LaBeouf. Um, yeah, I, 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 I saw this one in theaters uh, with my dad, and it was, uh, it's been a couple of years since I've uh, seen it, but I just remember um, – Great plot, great story. Um, Brad Pitt in World War II movies, man. What can I say? What can I say? But, <laughs> I guess <yeah>. nothing. <laughs> yeah, I guess nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say a lot, actually. <laughs> that's, that's, about it. That's, all, that's all I can say. Can't, can't get uh. too carried away now. But. <laughs> uh. but yeah, if I had to choose that one, I'd do Fury. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, so this is kind of my third pick since both Jake and Matt took my one and two, but uh, I didn't find them too much. On it. I'm picking Dunkirk, the 2017 film from Christopher Nolan. I think Dunkirk is uh, number one. It's got Ben's favorite artist of all time, Harry Styles. I guess you could say Ben's really watermelon sugar high on this film. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was actually one of the default ones that came with the soundboard. <laughs> but uh, but it's really it's really interesting. I love how we don't really get to see Tom Arnold's character to the end. I know Ben doesn't really care for his music, but Harry Styles actually does have a really good performance in this movie. Uh, Cillian Murphy is really good in this movie. It, the way that I, I watched a video on it, the way that it uses silence, I guess, is like super interesting. I forgot the video, yeah. like how it explained it, but. The, uh, it won the Academy Award for uh, Best Sound Mixing, which is like it's very deserving because the sound mixing is amazing. And then the actual story of Dern- Dunkirk is super interesting. And there's three different storylines going on. There's the the like the dad and the son in their private boat. There's the actual soldier- soldiers, and then there's uh you know Tom. It's Tom Hardy, isn't it? Yeah, Tom Hardy is as a pilot in the sky. And that last shot where he crashes the plane, he's just staring at it, burning. It's one of the greatest shots ever. And it's just it's just a good movie. It's a great story. I remember learning about it in history class and then watching the movie like a couple weeks later. And it really gave me the full experience after just learning about it. And it's a great movie. I need to watch it again. I haven't seen it in a while, but I love Dunkirk. And ben. our final host, Ben. Okay, uh, you guys, uh, Alex, you were talking about how your first and second picks were taken. Mine were my first pick is Captain America: The First Avenger. Extremely historically accurate. <laughs> I'm not going on with that bit. I already hate myself for it. Um, my no, choice you, actually. You have to double down. <laughs> nope, too late. Uh, okay, Red Skull was behind. Okay, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, my choice was another recent World War II movies, which seems like all that we're choosing, really. Um, I That's still need to watch best Saving best Private Ryan. Uh, but my choice was Hacksaw Ridge, starring Andrew mm. Garfield. I, need to watch uh, I don't I don't know if you guys have seen it, but uh, it's a really well-done film. Um, Andrew Garfield's character is just beat into the dirt by his comrades for not wanting to carry a weapon. And he's faced uh, he faces prejudice prejudice throughout the entire training 
leading up to eventually arriving on Hacksaw Ridge where he proves his bravery and his merit. And I think it's like either like the entire last act or the entire last half of the movie where he's going around rescuing people. And although he's the main character and you expect him to come out alive, it's extremely tense and done very well. And also done with such brutality. Like it's one of the most violent war films that I've seen. And I've heard Spawn's really good in that movie too. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not like anything like amazing, but he does pretty well. Like, yeah. Uh, I didn't see Vince Vaughn. I didn't see the guy from Wedding Crashers when I was watching it. So <laughs> I think that's the <laughs> biggest compliment sure, I can give it. I'm pretty sure Vince Vaughn's in Hexarch. Oh, hold on. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, you a big Andrew Garfield guy? I am, honestly. Um, you know Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah, just in Spider-Man. He's my favorite just because of that movie. I don't think his Spider-Man movies are that bad, but that's just me. That is just you. You're right. Uh, he's also amazing in my third favorite film ever, uh, The Social Network. And he is so good in The Social Network. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, on topic of Ben's top five favorite movies, whatever. Uh, as a as a guest, as a first time guest, we always have our guests give their top five movies. So, Matt, do you want to get into your top five movies of all time? Starting at yeah, five. Yeah. So starting starting Start. off at uh, you guys are kind of breaking up, or maybe in. Am I breaking up? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we I can hear you. Hear you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, so starting off at number one. Uh, can do number five. 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 Oh, we start with number five. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, you got to build it up. You ever seen a movie before? <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't start with the ending. What do you think this is, Memento? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Go ahead. Uh, so number five, uh, I wrote these down. Knives Out. Um, I, I, yeah, that one. That one. That one was. Like, I like that one. I, I just like. It was a good murder mystery, and usually I'm not a huge fan of murder mysteries, but this one got me on the edge of my seat throughout the entire movie. I liked it. Um, number four I had the the Truman Show, which uh, hmm. I yeah never really. I watched that this summer with um, my mom and. Uh, First, it was kind of, wasn't a huge fan, but I liked how they wrapped it up. Um, number three, I have a tie actually. It's a uh, oh. fiction, old fiction of Reservoir Dogs, both my Tarantino <laughs> films up there. You can't pick a favorite out of those two. They're just tie, like they. I mean, I just can't. <laughs> they're both really. I mean, I mean, if I had to choose like one that was like, if I had to, it probably would be Reservoir Dogs, um, but. I, I tied him at number three. I just I just can't shout think out of shout yeah. out to that one guy I met at a party that told me that his favorite movie of all time was Pulp Fiction, and then I tried to talk to him about Tarantino movies, and he just didn't understand what oh. I was talking about at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Matt, you can go on. Thanks, bro. Um, number two, uh, they will not grow old. It's that World War One film they came out with where they did uh they uh. Took old footage and they put the audio over it, dude. And it was saw it in theater when I was in high school for AP World. We went over to the theater and we saw it, and it was it was hot, dude. Like not like hot, like I don't think hot's the word. One <laughs> was it was uh it was it was good. It was really good. 
I just like how they put all the footage together. And it took a lot of work, apparently. It took a couple of years, like, yeah, take all that footage and put all the audio over it. And then when they put it in color, too, it was crazy to see all the stuff in color, uh, especially with that old footage from World War One. And then number one, drum roll, please. I already know what it is. is. The I think I know what it is. Ford Identity. Oh, wow. It's oh, not no. what I thought it was. It's not what, you, Purge Election Year. I thought you were going to say Anchorman, too. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Wolf of Wall Street. I, I was thinking about putting the Wolf of Wall Street in the list, but it's not, you know, Born Identity, dude. Ever since I was a kid, I watched that like that series with my dad, and, and just just loved it for my entire life. I love Matt Damon. Love, you know, I think it's honestly better than um, James any James Bond movie, in my opinion. And uh, honestly, controversial, controversial. I think it's better than John Wick. I think those movies Whoa. are better than like series. Yeah, Ooh. I'm pu- putting that out there. It's controversial, but <laughs> I w- I will take the Bourne series over the John Wick series now, any day. Re- refresh my memory. Like all, which one like was the series overrated? Which what did you say, Ben? Uh, refresh my memory. Which one was a Bourne Identity in the, the series? One, the one with Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, wait. No, it's that what? As a joke. <laughs> uh, dude, that one was terrible, bro. That's like, that's uh, like, that's like funny. Claim all of them except that one. That one was just bad. I don't even know why they have them in. Like, I don't even know why they had them in. It doesn't even make sense in the whole like series of the movies. Like, I don't even know why they made it. <laughs> Very passionate about the Bourne identity. Okay, so the identity yeah. was the first <laughs> yeah, one. Yes. Yeah, the, the Bourne identity is the first one. Okay. After like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, right, that was growing up with growing up with the Dikeys. I know that that is a very popular movie in the household between at least Matt and Dan. I don't know about Isaac. Yeah, I, I don't know what. How did how did what was Isaac's number one film? Did you guys do this with him? We, yeah, we did. did. Probably Here, me, we are I'm Marshall. Gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna look um, <laughs> He probably said that honestly. That wouldn't even like surprise me. It's his number five. Well, Matt, we want to thank you for coming on and being the latest survivor of the Turbo Team podcast. Uh, you were a great guest, added some great insight. We talked about a very serious movie that no matter uh, how far away we get from such an, a horrible event in, uh, in human history, it's still always going to be prevalent because I think it's pretty uh it's pretty common knowledge that if we don't talk about history it's just doomed to repeat itself so i'm extremely glad that taika watiti made a film like this and i'm i'm glad that hollywood continues to make films like this that don't let us forget the holocaust but also uh not honor at the same time it it shows it shows the grief and the horror of it while also um being able to show how far how far we haven't come uh as humanity but for the turbo team podcast unless you guys have any parting thoughts uh yeah they keep making world war ii movies because they're bound to be nominated for best picture every time so yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) that in period pieces matt do you have any final final thoughts before you uh jump off the titanic to survive did we lose matt Matt? well we lost matt so Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio, 
follow us on twitter at the turbo team pod you can listen to all episodes on apple Podcasts, spotify or any other platform where podcasts are listened to thank you for listening